Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee served the Lord faithfully for more than 70 years, culminating with his exhaustive commentary on the entire scriptures called Life Study of the Bible. Today, we're happy to bring you recorded excerpts from his ministry, along with some of our own considerations. At the end of the program, we'll give you the website where you can find more about the remarkable ministry of these two men. But for now, please enjoy today's program. With us here today for our Life Study of Genesis is Dick Taylor. Dick, welcome to Life Study. Oh, thank you for inviting me. It's really good to have you. You've come in at a good time. In our last broadcast, Witness Lee presented a marvelous picture showing that the whole Bible is a record of two seeds in Genesis 1, image and dominion. Could you talk about the last example in the book of Revelation, which is the New Jerusalem, and share with us how we can see God's image and dominion in the New Jerusalem? The New Jerusalem is the last and ultimate and the greatest sign in the entire Bible. With the New Jerusalem, we can see the consummation of these two seeds of image and dominion. There are several things that help us. Number one, we realize image is for God to be expressed, and dominion refers to God and his authority. With the New Jerusalem, we see both God's expression and God's authority for eternity. The matter of God being expressed is very, very clear because it tells us in Revelation chapter 4 that God himself has the appearance of Jasper. It also tells us in Revelation 21 that the entire city also has the appearance of Jasper. So this is the fulfillment of this seed of image, meaning God is fully and adequately expressed for eternity. Also, it tells us in Revelation 21 and also 22 that the seed of dominion is completely uh, in fulfillment and in consummation. Let me read just two verses that are really excellent. Chapter 21, verses 24 and 26. And the nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Verse 26. And they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. Here we can see that God is fully represented. His dominion is here. Even all authorities are under the unique authority of God in his headship in the New Jerusalem. Also, there are some tremendous verses in chapter 22, verses 1, 3, and 5. All three of these verses mention the throne. He showed me a river of water of life, bright as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Verse 3, there will no longer be a curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. This means God adequately 
has his dominion in the universe, there is no more curse. Isn't that good? That is very good. No more curse. (laughs) And then in verse 5, it says, And night will be no more. They have no need of the light, of a lamp, and of the light of the sun. For the Lord God will shine upon them, and they will reign forever and ever. So even here again, isn't this wonderful that there is no more night? Everything negative has been swallowed up, diminished, and eradicated. So God's dominion is fully here in the new Jerusalem. Amen. That is wonderful. (laughs) Let's join Witness Lee for today's life study of Genesis. Don't forget that now we are on the point of the ultimate consummation. As we have seen, the first item of this consummation is God represented and God expressed. Then the second point now we are on is that God blessed man. God blessed man to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Before the time that God has made man to express him and to represent him, before this time, there was no way for God to put out all his rich blessings. God is rich, and God's rich in blessing. But before man was made, there was no object to receive God's blessing. So there was no way, no opportunity for God to render his blessing to his creatures. And blessing is a good word, right? We just like to talk about God's blessing, and we did pray, no doubt, in the past, O Lord, bless us, bless us. But I tell you, to receive God's blessing, you need some mm -hmm, qualification. And what are the qualifications that we may receive God's blessing? I tell you, the qualifications are, again, the image and the dominion. If in your home there is an image of God with God's dominion, you'll be assured God's blessing will be there in your home. God's blessing always follows his image and his dominion. In other words, God's blessing always follows his expression and his representation. His expression and his representation always bring in his blessing. I would say, in other words, God's blessing is always with the priesthood and the kingship. If you read the Bible carefully, you could see after Genesis 1, the first time that some blessing was given, That was the time when Abraham defeated the enemy, Melchizedek, the king of Salem. When he came, Melchizedek came with the priesthood and with kingship. He blessed Abraham. Blessing always goes with priesthood and kingship. 
if the church is looking for God's blessing, should the church need to have the priesthood and the kingship? They simply mean God's image and God's dominion. As long as we exercise the priesthood to contact God, to behold God and to reflect the image of glory, then we have the kingship. I tell you, right away, God's blessing follows. Dick, let's pause here. Witness Lee has been discussing that in order to receive God's blessing, we must express God, which is related to having God's image. And we must represent God, which is related to having God's dominion in our daily life. Then he introduces two new biblical matters, the priesthood and the kingship. First of all, what do the priesthood and kingship mean? And secondly, how can believers today apply the priesthood and kingship in their experience? I think most of us think of these maybe in the terms of the Old Testament. Right. Well, the priesthood and the kingship are two excellent words. The basic meaning of the priesthood, uh, which developed, first of all, in the Old Testament, means man coming forward to the very God, to contact God, to enjoy God, to uh, be filled with God, to be saturated with God, and eventually, because the priest who has come into God's presence to contact him is so filled, so saturated, that he shines. This shining is really the kingship. This means there's the authority, there's the dominion. So priesthood is really the continuation of image. And kingship is the continuation of dominion. So image and dominion are really experienced and carried out through the priesthood and the kingship. The most crucial thing here is that that the priest is someone who comes forward to God, in love to God, and contacts God and enjoys God and is saturated with God. And the result is there is the shining of God. There's the authority of God. There's the kingship of God. In other words, God, who is the real king, shines out of this priest who has contacted him and been filled with him. And, you know, this this brings us to a point you asked them, how can believers today apply the priesthood and the kingship in their experience? I really like Acts chapter 3. Here you have uh, two of the disciples uh, were approaching the temple beautiful, and a man asked them for alms. And at that point, rather than just giving him something, they said, uh, look at us. And really what they meant was, look at our face. These two had been in the presence of God, getting saturated with God, enjoying him, and they were expressing him. They were fully in the priesthood, and they were shining out the kingship. And also, you see Stephen in Acts chapter 6, when he was preaching to the unbelieving Jews, it says his face was like the face of an angel. He was surely enjoying the priesthood and the kingship, and it showed on his face. Anytime we really enjoy Christ in our daily life, contacting him, 
getting filled with him, saturated with him, we enter into the reality of the priesthood and the kingship because we're filled with him, enjoying him, and shine him out to others. Isn't this wonderful? This is really wonderful. This is not at all like acting like a priest or acting like a king. This is really touching the priest of all priests, Jesus Christ, and this is living out the king of kings, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go back to Witness Lee with today's life study from Genesis. God bless man for what? For being fruitful, for multiplying, for filling the earth. This is the blessing. The blessing is the fruit bearing. The blessing is increasing, the multiplication, and the filling up of the earth. Now God had a man in his image, exercising his authority. And the blessing was for what? For this man to be fruitful. Now, this is just a shadow, a figure, right? Today, we are the real men that bears God's image, that exercises God's dominion in the church life. In the church life, I tell you, we are really ready for God to come in to render his blessing over us. But listen, how much God could or would bless us, it all depends upon how much we express him and how much we represent him. If we express him and we represent him in an adequate way, surely we will have his adequate blessing. Blessing in what? Blessing in multiplication. Blessing in food bearing. The real gospel preaching is not just an outward work. The real gospel preaching is a fruit bearing out of the overflow of inner life. You know, in other Gospels, the Lord Jesus did say, go and preach. Go and disciple the nations. But in John, the Gospel of John, the Lord Jesus doesn't say this way. The Lord Jesus says, you have to bear the fruit. To preach is one thing. But to bear the fruit is another thing. It is not just to preach some doctrine and to convince people doctrinally and to subdue their thinking to change their concept. That is not genuine preaching. The genuine preaching is to minister life to others. The fruit bearing is the outflow of the riches of the inner life. Look at one branch of a tree. This branch is filled up with the life juice. It has an overflow. So the overflow of life will produce the fruit. The fruit is just the issue of the inner riches of the filling of life. Whatever you will bear, that is the expression of whatever you are. If you are an apple tree, you can never bear the orange. 
If you are a peach tree, you can never bear the banana. If you are going to bear the banana, sure, you got to be a banana tree. Yes, we all have to endeavor to preach the gospel, but look at what you are. If we are the image of God, and if we are the dominion of God, hallelujah, surely we will bring someone into the image of God, into the dominion of God. We need the increase that comes from the image and dominion under God's writing. Dick, let's pause again and ask another question. Witness Lee makes a striking statement about preaching the gospel. He says that fruit-bearing is the outflow of the riches of the inner life. Now, certainly all of us have the desire to share Christ with others, but can you explain the difference between just preaching and fruit-bearing? You know, preaching may just turn out to be the mere preaching of doctrines, of teachings, of uh, just biblical things. But the difference between just that kind of preaching and real fruit-bearing is that when we are contacting people, we are ministering life to them. We're ministering the living God to them. We're ministering the living Christ to them. It's a big difference. We can uh, go somewhere, maybe in a large meeting, speak, or even one-on-one with somebody, just speak doctrines and teachings and good thoughts and spiritual things and holy things and this kind of thing. But we may never minister one drop of Christ to that person. Real fruit-bearing is just the overflow and the outflow of all the riches of our inner life. So fruit-bearing is allowing Christ, who is the indwelling rich one within us, to flow through us and out of us into mankind. Just like a branch uh, abiding in a vine is just enjoying all the riches of the life of that vine, and eventually, what is the fruit? The fruit is just the expression and the result of that branch abiding in the life of the vine, so that all the riches flowing through that branch eventually become the fruit. So mere preaching may just be passing on just doctrinal knowledge and concepts, whereas fruit-bearing is imparting the living God as life into mankind. In this, God is really glorified because then it's not just some kind of work in an outward way that we do, but it's him living in us, flowing through us, and bearing fruit through us. Let's return to Witness Lee for the conclusion of our life study today. Well, let's go on. Here's another point. Suppose Adam was made, and Adam came into being, yet there was nothing for Adam to eat. Then God would tell Adam, sorry, sorry, I made you, but I didn't make anything for you to eat. You just wait for a couple of days. How about that? But hallelujah, the situation was not like this. Before Adam came into being, everything was right. All the trees which are good for food, already there. So when Adam came out of God's creating hand, right away he had 
something to eat. He was satisfied. Not only he was satisfied, but also all the living creatures were satisfied. Later on we will see the real rest comes out of satisfaction. If everybody is angry, how could you say you are resting? As long as you are hungry, you just cannot rest. Once man was made, there were things for man to feed upon. So man was satisfied, and all the living creatures were also satisfied. Then everything was very good. Genesis 1 eventually says, God looked at everything, and it says, Everything was very good. Before the sixth day, he only said, good, but not very good. In the last day, God said, very good. Why very good? Because he looked at Adam. That was really good. Because Adam was in God's image. And with Adam, there was God's dominion. So God could say, very good, but very good. Dick, let's stop here and ask our final question for today. Witness Lee pointed out that before the sixth day, God did not use the phrase, very good. He only said, good. Why did God use the term very good only on the sixth day? This is a very good question. The reason he said very good only on the sixth day was because this was the peak. This was absolutely the high peak of his entire creation. He had created millions and millions of items, many, many living things, which are listed there in Genesis chapter 1. But the top, the high peak of all of God's creation is man who's created in God's image with God's likeness, and having God's dominion. At this point, God no longer just said good, but he said very good, because I believe he was tremendously happy, because it relates to his very good pleasure and heart's desire. The Bible unveils to us that God has a good pleasure and a heart's desire, and it's altogether related to man who is uniquely in his image and having his dominion as the one who would fulfill his heart's desire. So when he created man in his image with his likeness and having his dominion, he could not help but say, very good, because this fulfills his original heart's desire and good pleasure Uh, which he purposed, which also he purposed in eternity past. He has somebody who can express him. Finally, he has somebody who can represent him. He has somebody to join him in his enterprise of his economy to fulfill his good pleasure and his heart's desire. So why did he use the term very good only on the sixth day? Because now he has the very person, the very peak of his creation, which is man himself, in his image, with his likeness, and having his dominion, so that at this point he could say, very good. In fact, even if he 
looked at any created man today, no doubt he would say, very good, because this is the key to the fulfillment of his eternal economy. And in addition to this, uh, we have a wonderful verse, Revelation 22:17, which says, and the spirit and the bride say, come. Now there's something to behold in the entire universe. Finally, there is man in a corporate way, completely blended, mingled, united, and incorporated with the living God, having God's image with God's likeness and fully in God's dominion. This is the way the Bible ends. Thank you, Dick. Thank you very much for inviting me. We'll have you back. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.